Good morning, brethren. It is good to be with you this morning. We do have some visitors, and we'd like to welcome you to be with us. We do have a visitor from Laurel that I invited, uh, Pacha Harris, sitting in the back. Uh, if you get an opportunity, say hello to her. And it's also good to be with all my brethren here locally. Uh, one announcement that I gave to John, we didn't have time to get any announcements. I have a personal prayer request. Very dear, dear friends of ours, uh, we worshiped at Annandale, Virginia, 15 years before we came here. And Jim and Judy Weatherby are the staples of that congregation. They're 75 years old, and they're still very young. They act like they're 60. They're engaged. And six months ago, they lost their 18-month-old grandson. I'm 18-year-old. I'm sorry. He was 18 years old. He, he was in high school. It was devastating. Last week, their, their only daughter, they had four sons and a daughter. She was 47, 48, I think. Dropped her five-year-old son at their house. She was watching him. She went to Seattle. They live in Jacksonville. She flew to Seattle to, to secure housing. They were relocating, and they found her dead in her hotel room. She died from a diabetic coma. Her insulin levels were up in the 800s, and she could not recover. Uh, I would appreciate your prayers, both personally for me, because I have such a, a love for them. They vacationed with Mary and I. We did a lot of things together, and they're just such a staple in that congregation and good people. And, they're grieving so terribly. So I, I would appreciate if you would, would keep them in your prayers. Thank you for that. Funny story. This morning in our class, I taught about patience, and my sermon is about wisdom. Let me first say, talking about two, these two subjects, I don't claim to have an abundance of each. I don't claim to be without. And I could certainly use a refresher course from time to time. So here I am before you today with that refresher course. Thank you, Mike, for reading those scriptures. Before we begin our sermon, let us begin with prayer. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we're mindful that you are our God, you are our creator, and that all wisdom comes from you. We pray that as we endeavor into this topic that we might learn many things, we might make application in our lives, and that we would be the better for it because we would be walking in your light. Forgive us of all things in Christ Jesus. Amen. Mike read from Proverbs, the third chapter, uh, beginning in verse 13, and he, he read the NIV, I believe. The King James Version begins verse 13 with, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. In life, there are irrefutable facts. A proposition to you today is to set forth some practical truths in life that will aid each of us in our daily walks as Christians. The objective is that each of us would understand these tried and true words of wisdom and apply them appropriately as we walk each day. And my aim, I guess, is to, to supply these nuggets of wisdom to those of us who may not have it or to affirm to those of us who may. I'm going to look at eight points today, briefly about wisdom in life. And we'll see where they apply in our lives and where we might be able to apply them. And my first irrefutable fact of life is, and how many times have each of us said it, life's not fair. We hear it from our little ones, our grandsons, that's not fair, that's not fair. We hear it from adults, it wasn't fair for them to do that. From, they, from the day we were born, brethren, life isn't fair. Some people are rich, some others are poor. 
Some people are intelligent, some are ignorant about things. Some are fed, and some of us are hungry. Some experience good fortune, some of us ill will, ill fortunes. Some are free, others are enslaved. Some are healthy, and some are sick. And we see that time and time again, both in our families and within the congregation. God never promised that life would be fair, though, did he? He promises that if we will seek him, then he will take care of us. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's one of my favorite, absolute favorite songs in our songbooks, Seek Ye the Kingdom. God promises that he will be fair. And that's really all that matters, isn't it? He says that if we seek him, he'll be fair and he'll take care of us. He promises to be fair in regard to salvation in Acts 10, 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted in him. So God is fair to all of us. He makes that claim and he makes that display throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's a fair and a just God. We start that at the very beginning of the Old Testament. He was a fair God to those he, he judged and those he took action on. We sing that song, Fairest Lord Jesus, as God's attribute of love and wisdom and fairness comes down through his son and is displayed through him in both by example and by teaching. God promises that all will be judged. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, for that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The last two verses of Ecclesiastes teaches us that in judgment all things obey God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. In the end, we will all be judged according to our deeds, whether good or bad. If we don't expect life to be fair, then we won't be disappointed, will we? If you know these things are going to happen. Number two, an irrefutable fact. You can't change history. Time marches forward, not backward. There are those who would like to revise history, especially in today's political world. They want to go back and look at different things. Look at the current things we have going on in the political arena of the changes they want to make and the renaming and taking down statues and changing the history. And that's all well and good in politics. They can do whatever they want. But in matters of life, time goes forward. We, we can look back. We can learn from. We can extract the wisdom and the education that comes from the things that happen in our lives. But the truth is that once something in the past is fixed, forever and it doesn't change once our words and deeds are said or done you can't go back look at Psalm 141 verses 3 and 4 set a watch O Lord before my mouth I thought that was an interesting way to put that keep the door of my lips incline not my heart to anything any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. Don't participate with it. What's in the past is in the past, and there's nothing that can be done about it. However, in the future, sometimes the things we do in the past have consequences. Um, 
Consider Philippians, the third chapter, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He tells us, look forward. If we think about the fact that we can't change history, Hopefully that will help us to make better decisions in the future because we learn and gain the wisdom from the things we've done. It will also help us to move on to things that we can do something about. The third point of irrefutable facts of life. Words have meanings. When I teach a class and when I, I come up here before you, I always try to look carefully at the words that I teach and particularly a word that I'm looking at, like today's topic, wisdom, or in the class, the topic of patience. To look at those words and define it so that I can accurately portray to you my understanding of those things. Hopefully that's truth that I project to you because I try to study and learn the, thing, the accuracy of them so that I can proclaim them to you so that we all together can learn and live those things. Remember the old saying, sticks and stones? And some have different endings on sticks and stones might break my bones, but names will never hurt me or words will never hurt me. In fact, words really do hurt you sometimes. Some of the things that we say, particularly to those that we love or are, are loved by, words can be very hurtful. Why? Words are hurtful because they have meaning. Hopefully, you're not mean with your words, your, your loving kindness. Matthew 12, 36 and 37 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account of it in the day of judgment. We're going to be responsible for the things that we say. Words have meaning. It says, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So, brethren, it's an important fact for us that we need to be mindful of the things we say because they have meaning and they have consequence. I don't know about you, but there's been many times, as soon as I've said it, I say in my head, I wish to God I'd never said that. I wish I had never said that because of the meaning and the hurt that can come out with those words. On the other side of that, we say some things that are very meaningful, especially to our loved ones, my expressions of love to my wife, to the children, to those around about me, to my brethren. I can't express how much I love my brethren. I truly do. I hope I exude that in my conversation with you and my behavior among you. I think it's a truly important thing. Paul wrote in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, in verse six, about words, not our words, about other people's words and how they affect us, how it can take us down different roads. It says in that verse, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Words can be very positive, words can be very negative. The effect that it has is going to be consequential to us and our salvation. It's not just here and now. It has its immediate effect, but it also has effect later on when we're judged. And Paul exhorted Timothy when he said, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which according to godliness he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof come envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. And that was found in 1 Timothy the 6th chapter, verse 3 and 4. Understanding that words have meanings will help us to choose the right words and avoid the wrong ones. Let us consider our words and think. And from this morning's lesson, be patient before we speak. It reminds me of the old adage, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. 
Number four, an irrefutable fact of life. Choices have consequences, both good and bad. Newton's third law of motion. You may not know that off the top of your head, but we've all heard it before. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And we see that when you see the little balls, five of them lined up hanging on strings, and you drop one, the other one on the other end comes out. You don't know where the end is. You don't know how many balls are connected, how many links there are to your words and your choices. But they do very much have consequences. This is true spiritually as well. Maybe not as exact, but in principle, your actions have consequences. Galatians, the sixth chapter in verse seven and eight says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Is that not similar to action, reaction? The things that you do will have a consequential effect on the outcome of a, of a given situation. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Consider also Matthew the 15th chapter verse 19. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, and blasphemies. There's not a choice that we make that doesn't originate from within the heart. And the scriptures teach us. Because what comes from the heart proceeds forth from the mouth. Understanding that choices have consequences will help us to measure our choices before we make them. And sometimes that's hard to do because we instinctively react quickly to something. But if we measure, calculate, and are patient with our words and with our actions, I think that we're going to have a much better outcome. Number five, the fifth irrefutable fact of life. Somebody will oppose you for doing what is right. I've worked for 45 years in the trucking industry. I've worked with Teamsters, non-Teamsters, dock workers, freight handlers, drivers. They're an okay bunch of guys for the most part. But if you step up to the line with spirituality and faithfulness and the chronicles that are laid out before us, they can be very unkind. They will attack you for no, no reason whatsoever just because of who you are. I've seen this firsthand. I know that people do that. And I know that some will oppose you, even in the spiritual world, for not doing what is right or for you, for you doing what is right. We have a proverb in America today. There's no good deed that goes unpunished. Sometimes the more good you do, the more people attack you for it. Again, look at our political world today and our social climate. When you not oppose gay rights or some of the sinful things that people blatantly are doing in our society, you don't have to oppose it. But if you don't support it, they'll come after you for it because you should support these socially correct things are diametrically opposed to God's will. And these are the circumstances and environments that we live in today. Jesus has told us that we as Christians are going to be opposed. Matthew 5, 11, 12 says, Blessed are ye that when men revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice, be exceedingly glad. Boy, that's a tough one to swallow. 
it's so hard when somebody is mean to you or says unkind things or takes action against you because of who you are to rejoice. Yet we live in that world, don't we? Not within, but without. John 15 and 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Understand that we're going to be opposed for doing what is right will help us to prepare for those times when they come. The sixth irrefutable fact of life, and I've had to deal with this too many times for my own liking, is that learning the hard way hurts. Have you had a lesson in life that you've had to learn the hard way? Where you had to either go back and correct something or you've had to go back and admit something or you've had to do something to overcome. There are two different ways to learn in life, aren't there, brethren? You can learn from someone teaching you or you can learn through experience. And that's both positive and negative. There are experiences you go through in life are very positive. You learn from them and you're enhanced by it. And some of the more challenging and difficult things on the negative side are, are not so. More often than not, we choose to learn through experience. That's our typical pattern. Many times those experiences are rough. We all have lived through life and had, had rough times. We probably remember the tough lessons more than the easy ones. At least I know I do. The easy ones you kind of go along because it works along with you, but the hard ones are really tough. The tough ones cost you, cost you time, they cost you money, they cost you relationships. Whether it be a personal relationship, a friendship, a work relationship, Many different relationships take many different forms, and they cost you in those. There are principles in Scripture that teach us to learn the easy way, not the hard way. And it would be nice if, if we could all do that, but by our own nature, sometimes we, we don't. Ephesians 6.1. The youngsters, most of them aren't here, but they learned this very early on. Anybody know off the top of their head what Ephesians 6.1 says? First word, we'll give it away. Children. Children. You're smiling, Sean. You know what it says already, don't you? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Proverbs, the second chapter. If you'll turn there with me for just a minute. I'd like to look at. Proverbs 22, beginning in the first verse. good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Understanding the simple things in life, understanding the Lord's teaching, making that application makes your life so much better. I didn't do it. Oh, I hear it. Okay. I'm checking my mic. Okay. Thank you, John. Understanding that learning the hard way hurts. 
but let us learn from others first so that we might not have to meet those challenges. An irrefutable fact of life number seven, things change. Those of us that are older look back, I'm in my 60s, I look back over the last 50, 55 years from the time I can remember when I was a kid how much things have changed in society, in technology, in science, the developments that we have. And the more we learn and the more things we do, it seems that the faster we progress in those areas. Look at modern medicine and the space program and the different stuff that we learn. When they started in space, they just had this big candle sitting on the pad and it took off and went up into space. Now they can tell every little gas, every little pressure, every little thing that goes on, they can tell what goes right, what goes wrong. Society changes. Back in the 50s, they had, we were marrying our, turned the TV on, there was an old, uh, Daniel Boone was on. Fess Parker. I don't know if any of you youngers remember that name or not. I haven't seen Daniel, Daniel Boone in decades. I mean, it's been 30, 40 years since I've ever seen it. But when I come on, I told Mary, I said, he was such a nice guy. And during the plot of the show, there are a lot of things going on. But I told her, you know, things have changed. There always used to be the good guy, the bad guy. The good guy always prevailed. But the things that they showed through those programs back then were always of goodness. The children were respectful to their parents, to the police officers, to the teachers. They love one another. Now, this is a TV family, of course. But those principles were shown on the screen. Here we are 50 years later, and we went from the old black and white three channels to 240 channels in vivid color with TVs that are so bright that it looked like you could reach your hand inside of them and touch them. That's the technology side of it. But the programming that was on then indirectly taught us this is your behavior. Little Timmy and Lassie, do you remember Lassie, older folks? Do you remember Timmy's response to mom and dad? Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. They were always mindful of the love and the admiration and the respect that we carried for one another. Move forward up to, to 2016, 17. It's horrible the things you see on TV, the way they treat one another, the way they speak to one another, the vulgarity and things like that. Things change, brethren. But the thing that doesn't change is the anchor of God's word, of God's love, of his faithfulness, of his stability to us. He gives us that promise that he doesn't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and always. And we can rely on that. We can count on it to affix our line to that no matter how high the tide rises or how strong the surge is, or how hard the wind blows. If we attach ourselves to that anchor, we sing the song, will your anchor hold? We have our own anchor, and he is ours. When these things change, be mindful of that. Just when you think you, think you have things figured out, life throws you a curveball. Didn't see that coming. Didn't know that was about to happen. Sometimes even when you see it coming, you're not prepared for it, even though you know it's coming, and you do all you can to prepare for it, especially when it comes to the loss of a loved one. I know some families that have had a spouse or a child sick for a long time, and they knew that they were going to pass, and when they did, even though they knew it was coming, you aren't prepared for it. Life throws these curves at you. The fact is that life is unpredictable, and things do change. 
we may, make, may be expecting our lives to go in one direction and they make a complete change. And then you say, who'd have ever thunk that I'd have been here? Perhaps this isn't illustrated better than in Ecclesiastes, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Well, I don't know if I always agree with that. I'm not a dancer. We don't dance. But if you've ever seen me dance, you could say there's never a time I'd want to see that one again. <clears throat> a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. That pretty well covers life to, for the most part. There's not much more that could be said there. God's word, however, doesn't change. Whether we're looking at Proverbs, which was written thousands of years ago, or the New Testament, which was just written 2,000 years ago. Understanding that things change will lower our expectations for the unpredictable future and prepare to deal with things according to God's word. And the last and unavoidable, an irrefutable truth of life, Everyone dies. Every one of us will die someday. This is perhaps the most unavoidable truth of life. There are scientists who think that they can prolong life indefinitely. But I promise you, brethren, that's not the case. God won't have it that way. And even if they do find something that would keep us alive 500 years, you're going to go out and get hit by a bus or some tragedy is going to happen. You will die. Every one of us will die. We're all going back to dust. It's promised from the Lord. Even if our bodies were able to live indefinitely, something's going to happen. The Bible teaches in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, in verse 27, it is appointed unto men once to die and then to judgment. And that's used, and I've heard it used in many, many funeral services because we parlay that scripture into the current event that is happening or that has happened to help give understanding. Then comes the judgment. If we understand that everyone dies, then we'll seek to prepare ourselves and others for death as well. The word of the Lord stands strong. There are irrefutable facts of life. Life's not fair. You can't change history. Words have meanings. Choices have consequences. Someone will oppose you for doing what's right. Learning the hard way hurts. Things change. And everyone dies. I know this hasn't been the most positive, uplifting type of sermon, but I hope it's been an informative sermon that shares with you some of the things that the scriptures teach about wisdom and the, and the irrefutable facts of life that we have to live with every day. Proverbs, the second chapter, I think is a good way to, to close this sermon. Because if we study and learn of these things that I've talked about, it will help us not only in life, but also in death. Because the wisdom will be that we will seek God and keep his commandments. For it's the whole duty of man, as Ecclesiastes says. And then when you parlay that up to Acts 2, 
when Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of the promise of life ever after that we have in Christ Jesus. Proverbs, the second chapter, begins with, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in, whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair and every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. If you're a child of God, chances are you may have read or heard some of the things that I've said today. We hope that you would make the application of those things that you might be a wiser, stronger, and more knowledgeable person. If you're not a, a Christian, hopefully you'll have the understanding of what the Word of God teaches about repentance and sin and baptism. If you have that knowledge, have the wisdom to take the step that you need to do to be in God's kingdom, that you too might have eternal life and salvation. If you're subject to the invitation and the calling of the Lord, why don't you stand and come to me and give me your hand as we stand and sing.